Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Sunday evening, probably Monday morning though, wherever you are. appreciate you guys tuning in. At supertalk.fm or wherever it is you're getting podcasts from, we appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women who are out there taking care of us throughout the world. I want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churning Spoon Ice Cream. Saw you, uh, you got somebody turned on to the Maryland there at Strange Brew, and I followed it up by getting one of my own today. So uh, they sold at least two Marylands at Strange Brew today, and both were highly enjoyed. There you go. So it's like you know, you tell a friend, but then you're also you tell yourself. Yeah. That's the way to work. I practice what I preach. That's that's how we're going to look at that. I like that. Yeah. What's good for the goose is good for the gander is good for the Coleman. You know, Mama Coleman once said, you don't do what I do. You do as I tell you to do. And I was like, well, that's not fair. Yeah. But see, I guess the apple fell now, a little bit far away from the tree. So uh, Because I'm telling people to go to Strange Brew, mm-hmm. and I'm not just telling them. By gosh, I'm showing yeah. up too. Don't just don't just preach the gospel. Live the gospel, and every everything in in, in your works. You know? I must say that Mama Coleman did live the gospel. I know so. she did. Of course she did. <laughs> well, you should live the gospel of Strange Brew. Go and let one of the baristas. Uh, I can go down this road forever. Let's just this just go by there and get yourself a drink. You'll enjoy it. And I recommend the Maryland or the Albino Squirrel or the Caramel Macchiato Here's or the just the Blueberry Cobbler. That's you, what Andy. You just Staples can't go wrong. Yeah, you, you can't just can't go wrong. wrong. They got so many choices for you. Whatever you whatever you like to drink, they're going to get you taken care of. So. Go by one of their two locations here in Starkville, or of course their Brupolo location in Tupelo. Still waiting on Tusca Brusla, Brumingham, Brulana, and Bruver. Brusacola Beach. Hey. We're going to get down. Once, once everything clears out, we don't Bru- want it right now. Bruluxy. Bruluxy would work. Uh, Baton Bruge. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, Allbrun. Bruisburg. These are all fantastic examples. Yeah. So. Brewisville. Brewisville. I mean, that's, that's close 30 by. Minute, 30 minutes down the road. I mean, by. you're missing an opportunity there. We just made him like $12 million. He would just take advantage of our million-dollar ideas. I mean, it's just that simple. So, Do you think if he like ever makes $50 million on one of our ideas, he'll throw us a half mil each or something? We'll probably get a gift card. Which I'd be okay with that. You would use it, yeah. So, All right. Uh, our good friends over at College Corner are still running the greatest special in the history of the oh, It's the greatest special in the history of the world. That's what I'm claiming it right now. Any special where you make money on the deal, when you buy something and you still make money, how is that not the greatest special that ever lived? Yeah, when you hand somebody $70 and they hand you 100 back. Yeah. That's that's If you could go to the casino and put $70 down and they they, they would just they give you $100 in chips, you go to the casino every day. Yeah. Well, this is the same thing here. When you buy a gift card at collegecornerstore.com, you just go to the website, search for gift card. Boom, 30% off the purchase. So you put $200 down. Well, I screwed that up. You put $140 down. You got $200. I mean, if in all in all honesty, you know, think about what the price of, of a polo is. One of the nice ones, right? You know, $140 is probably pretty close to two shirts, right? Yeah. 
You get a free shirt doing this. It's like buy two, get one free. I mean, that, that, that's a good deal. I can't, I can't do much better for you guys, my listeners, than that deal right there. So please take advantage of it. Go to collegecornerstore.com. You could also my, buy four and get two free. Now, Joel, now, I mean, now, now we're just really going <laughs> into the deep big water. Catholic family of MSU fans out there <laughs> trying to trying to get trying to get clothed. And of course, if you want to, you know, after you buy the stuff online, if you want to go by one of their two locations, you know, mask up and go. Go to Fleet Feet over by Fleet Feet in Richmond, or go over to uh, by the Half Shell in Flowood and check out the the merchandise for yourself over at College Corner. Our good friends at Advantage Business Systems know that even in these uncertain times. It's never too late or too early to start thinking about upgrading your business technology, and that's what Advantage Business Systems does. And they've been doing it for over 45 years in this state, so they know all the ins and outs of the trade. Whatever you're trying to do, if you're looking to upgrade the hard, upgrade the hardware, your, your computers, your printers, your copiers, looking to upgrade some software ideas, mailing solutions, information management, whatever it is you're trying to do right now, Advantage Business Systems has a plan and an answer for you. So why don't you give them a call today at 844 833 6245, or visit them online at absms.com. Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. Joel T. Hey. Did you have a good fourth weekend? I did. When you weren't writing clickbait articles? I did. Man, <laughs> you guys, give me a break a little. Like, <laughs> I got to write like 100 articles a, a month. Some of them are going to stink. Although, from a clicking standpoint, that one did pretty well. So, thank you. For clicking that one or any article at cowbellcorner.com. Yeah. Uh, Love you all, even the ones that hate me for writing that article. Yeah. Well. Don't hate me. It's just an article, man. People are just. People just want to be mad. They want to be angry. They I keep be talking mad. about it all the time. They just want to be angry. I never want to be mad. I it's, don't like confrontation. I don't like conflict. Let's just. If you don't like the article, scroll on to the next one. Anyway. There you go. All right. Or just click it and don't read it because the click helps. You want the click. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just open it in a new tab and immediately close it. Yeah. So, today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about Dan Mullen. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. I'm still on your mind there, hey, guys. you talked about me last week, too. We did. We did, Dan. So, here's what we thought about today, though. There are seven guys left on this roster, that, as far as we can tell, <clears throat> that signed and played for Dan Mullen. Now, you've got some guys who redshirted. The last year in, in 17, but never played for Dan Mullen. Yeah. A guy like Austin Williams was the first one we thought of. And we're also not counting kickers and punters here. No, we're not counting T- Tucker Day or Jace Christman. Yeah. We're looking at in offense and defense. Seven guys that have that played for Dan Mullen. Uh, and those guys are Kylan Hill, uh, Osiris Mitchell. Uh, help, me, help me through it again. Darren Parker. Darren Parker. Greg Island. Kobe Jones. Marquise Spencer. Um, Errol Thompson. Errol Thompson. That's it. Four offense. Three defense. Three defense. And the question we have is, can the last vestiges of Dan Mullen, can they, will they be the keys to this team? Now, obviously, when you look at Kylan Hill, the answer to that question is yes. Kylan Hill is going to be the engine that drives the car this year. You know, KJ Costello is the driver. He's the one who's, you know, who's in charge. But the actual engine of the car, what makes the team go is going to be Kylan Hill. There's no question about that. And then to a you know, from a point A to point B kind of thing, it has to follow that you're going to need big years from Greg Island and, and Darian Parker to, to make that happen, correct? Yeah. Um, look, if you told me Dan Mullen's guys that we're talking about here today had big years, I'm telling you State won at least eight games. Yeah. Because that means 
I mean, just look on the. I'm not even so much looking at Kyle and, and Osiris and and uh, you know the offensive linemen. I'm more so looking at the fact that we mentioned Kobe Jones and Marquis Spencer and mm-hmm. Errol Thompson. You tell me those three guys have humongous years, then that means State's defense had a great year. And all of a sudden, they're in that, what did we say, top 30, top 35 type defense kind of thing. And if State's there, you can about take it to the bank that State's going to produce offensively because their head coach has never not, I know that's a double negative, but never not produced offensively. So if you told me that, Errol, Kobe, Marquise had huge years, and that state defense has a huge year. Mm-hmm. State's winning eight or nine. <laughs> like I, I don't think that there's any question about it. If state's defense is strong, doesn't have to be perfect, but if it's just strong, they're going to win eight or so games. Let's go back to offense for a second because I feel like we, when we've talked about offense this year, we've talked a lot about Charles Cross on the offensive line is what I mean. We've talked about uh, uh, Scott Lashley. Um, we've given some talk to the center position. You know, with LaQuinston Sharp, Cole Smith, and how that's going to work out. But we haven't really talked much about Island and, and, and Parker. And it would have been three seniors. You know, Reese would have been there had he decided not to transfer out. Parker last year was really good. You know, and State missed him in the game. He, he had a couple games where he missed, and, and State was noticeably not as good offensively. Now you can yeah. sit there and say that they weren't good at all, but it, it was noticeable. And Island is a, I'm basically a four-year starter. You know, he's sort of a Blaine Clausell type guy. Now, yeah. Clausell didn't wasn't – an all SEC guy, and he wasn't an uh, you know an NFL draft choice or anything, but he but was, he was a, solid. He was solid, and he, he nothing was going to catch him by surprise. And honestly, when you look at Island in his frame, you know, he's a tall, lean tackle. You know, I mean, he they list him. Uh, let me get him right here, fifty five. He's listed at six eight and three thirty five. I mean, you think three thirty five is huge, but when you're six eight, that's not really that. You're not, you're not fat at that point. You know, I mean, you might be fat, but you're not. A bulk of anything. Yeah, he's pretty well put together. Dude. Yeah. Like, so this off this this change should suit him a little bit. I think he is a little bit more, you know, the guy with that kind of frame. He's got long arms. Pass blocking should come pretty naturally to him. Um, and in this offense, where the way they're going to spread things out, he, you know, they're not going to be he's not going to be matched up against you know some monster defensive tackle most of the time. You know, he's going to be catching the guys on the outside. So you know, if he's got the quickness and he's got the long arms, that those are going to help him. Parker and Island to me are very underrated in terms of what their individual success will mean to Mississippi State's team success. I think so. And, uh, you know, I think we mention this every now and then. Gosh, it's probably getting close, somewhat close to us doing it. But when we do our confidence rankings. Yeah. Like. I mean, soon, yeah. I mean, Island and Parker, they're, they're going to be probably middle or top half of that. Yeah. I mean, is that overselling it? No. Or, or, I, I feel at least middle of the pack confident in, in, in those guys. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, so like Scott Lashley, for instance. Mm-hmm. I don't know what state's going to get out of Scott Lashley. I, I think he'll be good. Um, he's a big dude. Was a talented recruit. He's been, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, built by Bama the last three years. Yeah. You feel like he's going to step years. right in. Four years, yeah. that's right. You feel like he's going to step right in and – and be productive, but he hasn't played just a ton. Island and Parker have, yeah. like, a, and and they've, you know, I don't want to say they've been world beaters out there, but they've been. I mean, solid is the word. I feel like it's overused when, when we say those things, and it's sometimes a cop out just because, uh, you don't know what else to say. But I feel like when it comes to offensive line play, 
when you don't mention their name a ton, they're doing their job. And as you and I have watched Mississippi State football the last year or two, hadn't been a ton of times that we've been like, oh, Greg Allen blowing an assignment. Yeah. Oh, Darren Parker out there. Yeah, he, he had a rough go his freshman year. Yeah. But since then, I mean, he's just been he's been pretty good, you know? And Remember Island? He kind of got thrown into the fire at Auburn, didn't he? Well, Back at, well, we talked about Martinez Rankin got hurt. Yeah. And they just had to throw him out there. And I mean, against that defense on the road, you're already yeah. they were already down when he got in the game. What's he what's the kid supposed what's to do yeah. at that point? You know, he's just it's just survive and, and, and you try to get to the next day. Yeah, anybody's kind of deer in the headlights in that. Absolutely. Moment. You know, but since you know, he's been a solid starter for Mississippi State. Um Kylan Hill, you know, we we, we can't talk enough about him because he's just going to be so crucial to Mississippi State this year in everything that they do, both the running and the passing game. Um, I, I was talking to, to somebody today who's uh, doing an article on Mississippi State, and he said he had to do some, you know, some predictions, and one of them was Kylan Hill for, still gets 1,000 yards, and I was just like, I, I just don't know. And he's like, well, the guy from Washington State last year got 840 yards. Kylan's much better than him. So it got me thinking a little bit. Is it are we are we underselling Kylan a little bit? I mean, if if he gets a hundred again, if he gets hundred and fifty touches, can he get to a thousand yards? One hundred fifty carries, can he get a thousand yards on that? That's a that's a lot per carry. Yeah, I just think it's going to be tough because I don't know that he's going to get that. Yeah, I mean, because Leach, I don't think is going to change up his offense any. Right. It's not going to be, well, I've got Kylan Hill, so I'm going to give my running back a few more carries than I right. usually do. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, well, I, I think Kylan Hill is going to have to catch the football a lot to get his yardage. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying he can't get to 1,000 because, I mean, makes a valid point. I mean, Kylan Hill very well could be better than what they had in Washington State, for yeah. sure. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but – I mean, he would have to average 7.9 yards per carry if he got the same number of carries that Max Borgie did. Yeah. I'm tr- Maybe you've dug deeper than I, than I have. And, and Leach's 18 years, has he ever had a 1,000-yard running back? Never I didn't think he had. Back. I didn't think he had. I didn't want to say that for Can't sure. Can't see it. I mean, but that said, I think Colin Hill might be the best, most talented guy he's had. So it's, it's, it is an interesting question. I, it just – It kind of makes me – If he gets to 150 carries – he he has an opportunity. I think I tend to lean more towards Leach's zero for eighteen and his running backs getting a thousand yards. So, so I I just don't think he's going to get there. Now that's not to say he's not going to get eight fifty or nine hundred or have a great year running the ball and you know receiving too. But when you hadn't done it in eighteen years, it makes me feel like right. you're probably not going to do it in year nineteen. One hundred and fifty carries, which would be twenty three more carries than Borgie got last year, which would be on average two more carries the game. He'd have to average 6.66. Sorry for any uh, people who that number offends. But he'd have to average 6.67 yards per carry. Borgie averaged 6.4. Yeah. So it's interesting when you start, and we've been doing this a lot, I feel, with this offense, trying to do math. When you break it down like that, and you're saying, can I get Kylan Hill two more car- three more carries a game than the, the leading rusher got at Washington State? Can I get him three more carries a game? And can he average two tenths of a yard or three tenths of a yard more? When you break it down like that, it seems like it's very doable. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I still don't know what's going to happen. 
But I, I but when I when you break down the numbers and you get in, I mean I'm not looking it's not even analytics it's just long division basically. <laughs> but it's, the possibility is there. He needs to he needs to basically get 150 carries, which is how many I mean how many is that a game like 11, 12, 12 carries a game, 12 carries a game for Kylan Hill. If you told me, man, that that he got over a thousand yards rushing, he's gonna be close to being an All American, not just All SEC. Because because yeah. if he has a hundred, if he has a thousand yards rushing, and he does what you think he's gonna do in the passing game, and he catches sixty to eighty passes, he's gonna be around two thousand yards all purpose, and probably in, well into the fifteen to twenty touchdown range. Yeah, and defenses are gonna have to respect that run game, yeah. and and that probably means KJ Costello is hitting Malik Heath and Osiris Mitchell and everybody else for big yard. I mean. You told and me is, hit that thousand yard mark. State's had a huge year. And is there just the, the possibility that in the that that in the SEC you, you may have to run a little bit more? May not. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be twenty five carries a game. But you might have to run the ball fifteen times a game. Yeah, and I mean, say about Mike Leach what you will, but he's not an idiot, right? I mean, <laughs> that's like the main not, thing you have working for you there. Um, you gotta feel like if it seems like it's working. I know his style is his style, and I've heard – with all the, the assistants that I've talked to, one thing that you hear a lot is who we are is who we are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that makes you think there's not much room to budge on the style, but you got to think – I don't know, though. We've had so many conversations on this show where coaches would rather lose their way than yeah. win somebody else's. But And Mike Leach strikes me as that kind of coach just because, I mean, his system is – He's been running the same yeah. system everywhere he's been. So the more, we talk, more I, I talk through this, I just don't see it. But if it does happen... Washington State running backs last year had a total of 152 carries. That's the entire running back room. Right. Like, the only person who'd got a carry, they had Borgie at 127, Drew McIntosh had 16, Clay Markoff had 9. So, everybody talks about Jaquavius Marks having a big year. If 16 carries is a big year, then you're correct. He'll have a big year. Well, I mean, of course, you know, if you look the year before that, whenever Borgie was a freshman, I think that's maybe a better comparison here. When Borgie was a freshman and they had I, the guy's name escapes me, but okay. Borgie had a lot of yardage and, and the, the junior sl- or senior Williams running had 122 and then Borgie had 72. Yeah, I think that, that may be a better comparison Which here. Which is sort of funny because they had Gardner Minshew who was better passing. Yeah. You know, Gardner had 58 carries, but most of those are – just broken down pass plays, uh, and then the third guy had 14 carries. So yeah, if you get you know if you can get 190 carries, but that's because that offense was better that year. I mean they had they had Minshew. They didn't turn the ball over as much. Um, they ran the ball on average 21 times a game. So if Kylan Hill can get 14 to 16 of those and average six and a six and two thirds yards a carry, he'll be right at a thousand. But there's there's not a lot of wiggle room for mm-hmm. him. So and then again going back to the, the premise of this show. He needs Parker and an island to be really good for him up front. Let's switch over to defense. Marquis Spencer and Kobe Jones. Again, we were talking about guys who have started a ton of games and played in a lot of games for Mississippi State, but neither one of them have had that breakout year. Could, could either one of those guys, if I said Spencer slash Jones led the team in sacks this year, are you totally surprised? Mm, totally, no. And what would be a good number for that? I, look, Eight? I don't know, but we've heard a ton about Marquis Spencer's talent. Yeah. Over the years, um, I mean, he's been slowed some by injury, and uh, but no, I mean, I, and I I got to watch Kobe play in high school, and he was darn good there, and I, I've seen him progress through through the years. He's to me, Kobe Jones is a little bit on defense what Osiris Mitchell has been on offense, and that there's been slow there's been slow progression for him every year. 
And so you could see him having a, a breakout year now here at the very end. Um, would I be shocked if either of those guys had big years? No. 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 And, and if they did, again, going back to what I, I was saying so, earlier, that means State's defense as a whole is probably pretty So good. then what do they need to do then? What's, what's, what's the floor for production you need from those two guys? They both need to have – if they combine for 10 sacks, are you in good shape there? They combine for eight sacks. It seems like it when you think of the style of defense this is going to be where you're going to be bringing pressure from other places and you don't necessarily need your ends racking up all the the sacks. Right. So, yeah, it seems like that'd be a – I mean, if I told you today that they combine for ten sacks, you probably would guess, huh, it seems like they had good years, right? I mean – Yeah. Uh – I guess I'm just intrigued to see the three three five and, and, and things like. Is it gonna be all that different for them? I I don't know. Yeah, I find you know thinking about those two guys. I think if they're if if he told me they combine for eight sacks, however they get there. I mean, you obviously you need the other guys around them to be good. You need uh, Jordan Davis, who I think is probably going to be the leading sacker. On this team, uh, you know, a guy like King Ani who redshirted last year, can he give you something? Uh, Pickering will get some sacks, I think. He'll be disruptive. Uh, the other outside linebacker, you know, uh, Tyrus Wheat, uh, Brule, and Watson, those guys. But eight eight sacks combined, but for those two guys, is is good. And then anything over that, you start each sack above that becomes like more confident, like a confidence point that they're going to be a really good defense. Errol Thompson in the middle, you know. He had such a tremendous sophomore year. His junior year, everybody, a lot of people are down on him. And I like kept saying to people, it's like, this is what happens when Jeff Simmons leaves and now instead of you know two to three blockers being occupied by one guy, you can get a hat on Errol Thompson. It was inevitable that he was going to have to take a step back. What can he do as a senior now in this defense where, you know, now they Pickering in front of him, who That's I think what I was gonna say. is I mean, an upgrade, Pickering's but he's not Simmons either. No. So what can he do? Can he, well, I mean, if he, he should be leading tackler, shouldn't he? I mean, yeah, he's got to be the odds-on favorite. Um, I mean, if I told you today that Errol Thompson was not the leading tackler, who's your first guess? I, Tyrus Wheat. Yeah. Assuming that he starts and everything. Um, but, I, I mean, I, Errol's got to be the far-and-away favorite Yeah. In, in that regard. Yeah. So Those three guys – Combined, though, it's it's funny. You know, Thompson obviously is is stars, maybe not the right word, but among MSU fans, people know his name. Jones and Spencer are guys at MSU fans; they know them, but could they pick him out of a lineup? Probably not. They've really flown under the radar, you know. And it's because when they were, you know, in, in 2017, well, Spencer got hurt; he sort of battled injuries. But they just have been bigger names. I mean, obviously, the the D line in 2018 was surrounded by big names. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been a couple of pronged issue yeah they've been surrounded by bigger names and they've also neither one of them have done a ton of media stuff for right, yeah, for, right. for the fans to get to know them spencer spencer doesn't like to do spencer it. is notorious <laughs> for not coming up and want to do interviews and then kobe jones has been a guy the university has sort of kept away from for the same reason they kept away leo lewis they're, yeah he, they're he tied up in that rebel rag suit now and, that said in the last couple in the last year especially anytime i've requested kobe i Right, pretty much have gotten him, but there again, he was kind of overshadowed by some other guys, so he wasn't a guy that we talked to a ton even then. So, 
more so than anything, they've been overshadowed by other guys, but there's also been a little bit of that whole they haven't talked to the media just a ton for people to get to know them. But, I mean, inside that building over the course of the last two or three years, a lot of guys, a lot of folks have been high on those two. Um, (laughs) Spencer in particular, I mean, I'm not saying folks aren't high on Kobe because, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. But, I mean, I, I think Spencer could be a really, really good player if he lives up to some of the hype he's had through the years. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been a ton surrounding him. Yeah, his and he had a tremendous uh, true freshman year yeah. in 2016. Um was really really good and made you think that he was a guy who could be an all SEC guy and it just hasn't d- developed for whatever reason. Now, of course, you know, he got injured. He's been he was behind Montez Sweat and Gary Green. Last year he's behind Chauncey Rivers. I mean, it's just you know, they, it just it hasn't panned out for him. But this is his last opportunity. And I think he's going to get that opportunity. And I think, you know, in that 3-3-5, he's a guy that he, he's got the athleticism to be a pass rusher, but he also, you don't really surrender much in terms of, you know, giving up against the run. You know, sometimes you put a defensive end out there and they're just not built against those big tackles to, to, to contain and set the edge. I, if Jake Wimberly's listening, he'll be excited. I said set the edge. Uh, but Spencer's a guy who can do that. So is it interesting to you that all three of these guys are like all in the middle? The secondary, well, I guess we didn't talk about Osiris Mitchell, but he's like the only one that's out on the perimeter, you know? Yeah. Now that shows you, A, what a piss poor job Dan Mullen <laughs> did of recruiting some of these guys. You know, and, you know, didn't really, really, I mean, was Juco heavy in the secondary, basically. And then, yeah, I mean, God, I can think about what that team would have been last year if, if Cole doesn't redshirt in 17. And then, you know, receiver. My God, just a train wreck. So, Osiris Mitchell, we, I mean, I feel like we've talked about the receivers so much. So much over the past, uh, you know, months. Yeah. That I don't know what other, there is left to say, but this is the last bit of Mullen, basically. I mean, Austin Williams will still be here next year, but unless he catches 85 passes for 1,500 yards somehow. <laughs> uh, but this is it. This is, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, the last... This is the last stand of, of Dan Mullen. After this, his stamp on the program will be history and not you know, what you're seeing out there on the field. Anything to that for you? Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking. Because you think about Moorhead, and it's, it's going to be another you know, three, four years. From yeah. How, <laughs> how fun would it be? It's, I mean, I, I realize the chance of this happening – I mean, it's a lot better for Mullen than it is for Leach, but if those two ended up in Atlanta together and you got Mike Leach coaching Dan Mullen's players I'll be hilarious. Mississippi State against I mean, who would have ever thought that scenario would have happened, you know? Yeah, I mean think, I mean it's ba- not go back to like what the Alabama. week before the egg bowl twenty seventeen, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. Going into twenty the twenty twenty SEC championship game will be Mississippi State coached by Mike Leach and Florida coached by Dan Mullen. Who <laughs> no no one's believing that, so that's something to talk about. I guess too though I, I mean, he hadn't played or whatever. But was Jalen was Maiden a uh, was Maiden, he a redshirt guy under, Maiden, under Mullen? No, no, no. Maiden would have uh, no because Keaton Thompson was a true true freshman. That's right. So Maiden committed to Mullen, but signed with Moorhead. He redshirted in an eighteen, yeah. and then last year he was a so they're, they're still going to be freshman. even after this year. There'll probably be some more like there'll be Mullen some recruits. Guys, there'll be some recruits. They didn't play yeah. for him, I guess. but they did not play for him. Yeah, I mean Marcus Murphy committed to Mullen. Uh, a few others did too. So yeah. Is that right, Marcus Murphy committed to Mullen 2018 class? Yeah, he would have, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. 
I'm, I'm second guessing myself too much here. Yes, I'm correct. But he had to sign with. He signed with, with Morehead. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's uh, move on over to another topic here, and that's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Who want to remind you that hopefully this 4th of July you took advantage of uh, some of the great stuff they had going. That incredible Wagyu beef and uh, ribs, brisket. A Wagyu brisket. Think about that thing. You know, that's 13, 14 pounds of bliss. <laughs> I mean, just melt in your mouth deliciousness. And I hope I hope you guys took advantage of it. But whatever it is you're looking for from Welcome Home Beef, you should give them a call at 662-418-2021 or visit them online. Facebook.com slash Welcome Home Beef and t- talk to them. You know, this is your neighborhood butcher. You need to tell them, hey, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. They are more than happy to put special orders together for you. So you need to give them a call today and find out what they can do for you, how they can hook you up with some of the best steaks, burgers, chops, ribs you've ever had. It's all right there. It's all available to you here in Starkville, right there on University Drive. It's your hometown butcher. Do business with them. Do business locally. You're doing business with somebody who does business with Mississippi State. It's win-win for everybody. So give them a call today. Again, 662-418-2021. Remember, one thing's for sure, though. And one thing you can take to the bank. It just tastes good. That's right. All right. I'm going to change gears on you here, Joel. But it's okay. It's it's not that big a deal. Uh, If you may have seen uh, this Saturday, the number two player in the state of Mississippi, Isaiah Brevard, committed to Oregon. Uh... I think that Oregon is going to be a little bit of, a, of an issue in this state as far as recruiting goes for the next couple of years because yep. you know, Joe Moorhead has made he made the connections there, and uh, he's going to you know he's going there's going to be some guys he brought in. I would imagine that were Moorhead still the coach here, I, I will say this you know, and from a a, new, a numbers perspective, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But if Joe Moorhead were still the coach at Mississippi State, Sawyer Robertson and Teddy Knox would be replaced by Isaiah Brevard and Tykees. Fair assumption? Yeah. And Daniel Greek may be replaced by Luke Altman. Well, I don't know. They'd well, do two know. QB class. They probably wouldn't have done two QB class uh, at that point. Yeah. Because, because you would be looking at... Or maybe you'd have Altmeyer instead of Keys. I don't know. You would have Schrader locked in as a starter with Maiden and Rogers behind him. You wouldn't need... You, State really doesn't... What, what State signing two quarterbacks in this class is sort of a... A harbinger of is somebody's going to leave. Somebody yeah. else is going to leave. I think Keaton would have left either way. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was this: right now, the top three guys in the state, according to twenty four seven composite, are all going out of state. Deion Smith, Isaiah Brevard, Luke Altmeyer, committed to Florida State. And then in the top ten, you know, Ty Keys is fifth. He's probably going to end up going out of state because I don't think Ole, I don't think he wants to go to Ole Miss, and I don't think State is recruiting. I, I mean. State's recruiting him, but he's he is the number two quarterback in that class. As of like a month and a half ago, State was talking to him, but it wasn't it, anything. Yeah, I don't think anything's happening there. Going down the top ten, uh, Antonio Harmon was actually fourth, hundred percent right now to Ole Miss. That's probably where he's going to end up. State's got six, eight. They have the hundred percent on uh, the crystal ball for ten. Canarius Johnson, six is Kadarius Callaway, uh, eight is Brandon Buckhalter, who Joel talked to recently as well. Seven is MJ Daniels, who people I think. Is state has got you know probably the favorite for the number nine guy is Jarquez Hunter who I have not heard very much about. He's the top rated running back in the state. He's rated ahead of Amarian Howard, uh, who of course is committed to MSU. But I, you don't ever hear much about that guy. But that's your top ten. Is it any you know? Is it? A, I saw somebody tweet about that. I think it was Ari Wasserman. Is it sort of odd to you that in a year where Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin come to Mississippi, that the top three guys in the state are all going out of state? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, to, to put it bluntly, um, but you got – if the top kid in the state is a receiver and he just saw what LSU did a year ago, it's tough to not look at that and think, man, I could go to LSU and be a part of an offense that does stuff like that. Like, I, you get it. Um, like like you said, with, with Brevard, I mean, Joe Moorhead – Say what you will about how you think he coached at Mississippi State, but it, we've talked ad nauseum on this show. I've written a column about it, and I mean he's as good a dude as you'll find, and, yeah. and, and that that builds relationships. And parents love him, and and kids love him, and I mean I think that's going to carry some weight, like you said, yeah, for the next for a few couple years. seasons. So then. I mean I do think it's I think it's weird if you told me that happens again next year after probably Leach and and Kiffin have offensive success and mm-hmm. if you told me that happened again next year i, I would and be totally floored they haven't put out a top 20 uh, a top 10 or anything for 2022 yet on 24 7 i know there's a couple kids over at uh, olive branch that are really good uh there's a kid at george county i believe that's really good there's only a kid at moss point i think is really good but you know th- th- we're a ways off from that and i agree i mean moorhead is going to have connections here for the next couple of seasons you're going to see oregon pop up on everybody, you know, it's, it's going to be very similar. I think Georgia is going to play a little bit bigger role, you know. And of course, Georgia guy came in here a couple years ago and got Nicobe Dean, but that's a guy you know who's an elite recruit. But now Georgia's going to have because of Matt Luke, yeah, being on staff there. That's so, it. Though. I mean, like if if Joe Moorhead's here, maybe you get a Brevard to Mississippi State, but you don't get Teddy Knox, right? You it, know, it, so it, it kind of even. And the same out. with Ty Keys and uh, and Sawyer Robertson. Yeah, you're not getting Sawyer Robertson, but you're you're probably getting Ty Keys, and. and you know, and for what Moorhead wanted to do offensively, Keys is probably a better fit. Uh, Brevard, you know, from what I can tell, is a very good player. Uh, they say that he's a more of a possession style receiver, which you know, for Leach, he wants more speed. So, now I, that said, so I don't know. I'm not saying that State wouldn't take Brevard. I'm saying it doesn't seem like State pushed very hard. Yeah, for him, State would take Deion Smith in a heartbeat. Now he's locked in with LSU pretty tight, from what I, I read. You know, I read twenty four seven just like the rest of you guys do. But both Steve and Paul have said that there seems to be a window there that if MSU comes out this year and throws for five thousand yards, and or not even you know five thousand, but you see what I'm saying, it has a big season offensively, and LSU takes a big step back without Burrow and Brady there, that the window is there, and that Deion Smith could find his way to Mississippi State after all, and that would be a huge deal for Mississippi State to, because that's a flip. That's that's a legit. That's not a they dropped him. That's LSU would take Deion Smith. They'd sign him today if they could. So that's something to keep an eye on. But right now, it looks like State's going to end up with five of the top ten. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, not five, four of the top ten. And I don't know. I don't think that Deion Smith will flip. But they're going to end up with Callaway, Daniels, Buckhalter, and and Johnson. I think. And then in the top fifteen, they, they'll, they've already got McKaylin Pounders. They'll get Justin Wally. I think his brother's already on campus. Feels like that's a pretty safe bet. And then when you look at the top twenty, they've already got a Marion Hart. Is it a Marion? Mm-hmm. A Marion Howard. Uh, they've already got Corey Ellington. And then Ty Cooper is a guy that people think Mississippi State's going to get. So they're going to end up getting close to half and of I, the top twenty. And I talked to Ty this past weekend, and uh-huh. he says that he's going to probably uh, he's going to have him a top ten out this month. He wants a top five out next month, and then on the Thursday before his season kicks off. It's kind of where he's eyeballing. He wants to commit on that day. So mid October. I'm sorry, mid August. Mid August. Yeah. Okay. So that's something to keep an eye on. There. Good. Good scoop from you on that. Go to cowbellcorner.com for more recruiting information. Dot com. Dot com. 
So interesting. When we're not writing crappy articles, we yeah, write exactly. good ones. Yeah, So yeah, that's what we're doing. Uh, you know, looking at the recruiting situation here in the state this year, going to be going to be a little different this year. I do agree with you. I think next year and the going forward. It was sort of the same thing. You know, Moorhead had the problem of walking into the best Mississippi class in a generation, and when he didn't, he just didn't have the connections and, and the relationships built in to, to land enough of those guys. This year is more of a normal Mississippi class, so if you miss out on some of those guys, you can replace some of them. You know, it's, it's not a big deal if you miss out on a high three-star kid from Mississippi when you can just as easily go into Alabama and LSU yeah. and get that kid. Or go to Louisiana. Yeah, I and, and I mean, part of it, too, like Deion Smith. Yeah. The last couple of years, he hadn't exactly seen a, a rocking and rolling Mississippi State offense. No. It, and so you can't – it goes back to what Steve Spurrier said, and I, I mentioned on the show a few weeks ago, but, I mean, until kids see people with Mississippi State helmets, receivers with Mississippi State right. helmets, putting up these big numbers, right. they haven't done it yet, despite what Mike Leach has done in the past. So right. there, there is an element of that. Like yeah. once, once you see – you know, Ru- and, and Rufus Harvey or, or, you know, shoot, doesn't have to be one of the freshmen. Just a, receivers out there putting up big numbers, that's going to catch the future four-star receiver from Mississippi's attention. You know, a guy like Knox, you're saying, well, he hasn't seen it either, yeah, but he hasn't paid attention to Mississippi State. He's paid attention to Mike Leach. Yeah. Whereas somebody like Deion Smith, who's been in state, you know, and he saw Dante Moncrief and Laquan Treadwell and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf all go through Ole Miss and has not seen anybody like that at Mississippi State – it makes sense that he's like he's a little more cautious. But that said, again, the window is there that if State does what you, we, we are projecting them at least to do offensively, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. And then they'll have the opportunity. I think, I think it's also more about – because I, I, I feel State will be good offensively. It's more about what does LSU do. Because if Brennan goes out there and he's just as good as Burrow and he throws for 4,500 yards, and forty, then you just close the door. Yeah. So there it is. All right. Tomorrow's show, opponent preview. We're talking to Auburn. Uh, we're talking not to not to the whole university. We'll talk to one of their beat writers. Talking to Gus? No. Oh, man, I would love to, though. Uh, hey, Brian. Is that a go, go to Waffle House? I don't know. I don't, that I is not even that. remotely what Gus Malzahn sounds like. It's not, <laughs> not even, why don't you leave the impressions to me? <laughs> Do me a Gus. I, I don't have Since one. I don't have a Gus. I, I'm willing. I'm man enough to my limitations. Your glasses kind of look like Gus's. Do they? A little bit. I love Waffle House. See? I don't know that my wife is a crazy person like his is, but, you know. <laughs> We'll talk to all about Auburn tomorrow. We got an opponent preview of Missouri uh, this week. I got to find—I don't know—that's one beat I don't have any connections to. I got to find somebody uh, to talk about the uh, Missouri Tigers. Um, and then we got some other stuff in the, in the fire. We're gonna get that ninety-nine deep dive done at some point. I promise you, it's gonna happen. And uh, we'll go from there. Guys, have a great rest of your Sunday evening and uh, Monday morning. We'll be back with you on Tuesday for Joel T. Coleman. Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.